zip lock that Right on my waistline is why I kept that strap I remember nights, I didn't remember nights I damn near went crazy, I had to get it right Favorite rapper's favorite rapper. Hey, now I'm your favorite trapper's favorite trapper. The absolute truth. Yeah, no joke. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Trap Draw, another booth episode coming to you today. I am Cody, of course, coming from south of Dallas, Texas. Neil, how we doing, buddy? Doing well. Uh, it's getting cold in the big city. What is this, volume 11? 11 or 12? I, I think 12? it's 12. 12 tome uh, uh, what is it is a tome tome <laughs> edition 12 11 or 12 good to be here always good to be with you i'd be remiss if i didn't give two shout outs first of course shout out to mr jeezy of course we always appreciate his support and second shout out to precision pro a longtime partner of ours and they've got some great gear for the holidays if you're looking for a gift for a golfer i would recommend no laying up the No Laying Up branded Duo Golf Speaker, which delivers high-quality audio, audible GPS distances, a built-in magnet, a carabiner to clip onto your bag for you walkers out there. And, of course, it has the iconic Wayward Golfer logo on the grill. It's the perfect gift for golfers in your life this holiday season. Or you could just go with the NX10 Rangefinder. Style meets performance with the NX10, offering a variety of interchangeable NLU designs. We've got a few more cooking for 2024. Uh, and unbeatable accuracy. And yes, you can even protect your rangefinder in style with the exclusive No Laying Up Rangefinder case. Precision Pro Golf is all about you, the golfer. They stand behind their products like no one else, offering free batteries for life of the product and a 90 day money back guarantee. Here's the best part use code No Laying Up, all one word, to get $20 off your NX10 at precisionprogolf.com. Slash NLU. Again, that's precisionprogolf.com slash NLU and use code no laying up for $20 off your NX10 rangefinder. Cody, what's on the agenda today? We got a lot to get through, but first, I got something and we're going to have to call this man into the booth. I, I think I got voicemails. I saw the response online. We need to demand, Neil, an immediate mea culpa from the new father. Christopher Solly Solly Solomon. His pronunciation of carabiner, I think that was a, a couple NLU podcasts ago. He he didn't know if you pronounce it carabiner, carabiner. Like it, it it was it was the weirdest thing I've ever heard in my life. And it made me immediately think of has he never used the carabiner? Do, do people not know what that is? Like uh, do people think that that's just a little dangly thing you put on a key, a keychain? But listen, I'm on thin ice on this topic. I think I've taken a maybe too much heat for my issues with pronunciation. Whaleberg Wahlberg comes to mind. Uh, <laughs> Joaquin Joaquin also comes to mind. Uh, but you know what? It, nothing gets people more fired up online than, than criticizing you for typos and for pronunciation. Uh, so, you know, I'm not going to go too hard on my guy, Solly, but I don't know how you mispronounce the word carabiner. I, that's not one that I'm having trouble with. So. Maybe he does owe a mea culpa. We'll leave that to the listeners. Yeah, I, I mean, I, of course, I probably am not in a place either to demand mea culpas, but that one definitely stuck out to me. A little bit later on in this episode, we're going to have another one of our proud partners, uh, our, our friend Drew and his great coffee company at Stone Creek. 
there was, uh, I don't know if it was the NFL episode, maybe a chop session, but you know, Neil, when I get bored, we've been grinding on closing deals, getting proposals out. But in my free time, I love going through that trap draw listener line. That's at 833-330-8725. Of course, trap draw listener line, 833-330-8725. This one stuck out to me. Voicemail number 1662. Hey, gents. Michael from Savannah. Um, Just a mild, mild mea culpa um, on the pronunciation of Hui Hui Tenango in Guatemala on the Stone Creek Coffee. Um, it's uh, it's not Huey Huey, it's Huey Huey Tenango. Um, if you're looking for a country with some fantastic uh, city names, Guatemala is your jam. You got Quetzaltenango, uh, Chimaltenango, Huey Huey Tenango. Um, it's, a, it's a fun place. It's a wild place out there. Great coffee, though. Oh my God. I, think it, I love the listener line. Number one, number two, we might have to bring Michael from Savannah in as our in-house pronunciation consultant. That's fantastic stuff. Those words, I would, you know, you're going to put me in a blender. If you start showing me a map of Guatemala, uh, that's, that's great stuff from Michael and Savannah people dial into the listener line. We want feedback. We want it. We want to hear, you know, what you're burning on. So that number is 833-330-8725. That's good stuff from Michael and Savannah. Thank you very much. Neil, we uh, we broke some news last week on, on our member podcast, and, and we don't got to go over it here again, but it is the season, and when I think of Christmas and everything that this holiday season brings me, it, it feels like the mass majority of holiday movies, songs, everything kind of revolve around the city, your city, New York City, all right? Now you got Times Square for New Year's, you got Christmas parades, you got lighting in that big-ass tree that they do every year. I want to know, what is the feeling? What's going on in New York City right now for you? It's always fun to be in the city during the holidays because it, it is, there is a massive wave of seasonal depression that will strike in January. I, I truly believe the worst day of the year is the second Tuesday in January. First Tuesday is usually a lot of like, Hey, how was your holiday? You know, you're not really doing any work that first week of January. You're kind of easing back in, but when you get, and usually you get that Monday off, if especially if new year's is on a weekend, once you get to that second week of January, things get kind of bleak, especially up here. Uh, because you're kind of in the thick of it. The lights, the Christmas trees being sold at like, like in my neighborhood, there's like a outdoor bar. It's called the Gowanus Yacht Club. And, you know, they don't use it in the winter, shuts down, but they sell Christmas trees out of it. You know, you go by, you get getting off, it's right at the subway stop, you get off the subway, you're like, oh man, a bunch of Christmas trees there. It smells good. You know, it's, it's, it really is. It's, I think it's part of the fabric of the city. So it is it, for this kind of month, month and a half, I'd say from Halloween which was an absolute banger around here with all these brownstones. Halloween was, was lit through, I'd say New Year's, but I hate New Year's, is a really good time to be in New York City. Um, and yeah, you nailed it. Like people go ham on, in my neighborhood, it was much more Halloween decorations. People kind of went over the top with those. There are some inflatables um, in front of, you know, in Carroll Gardens and some of these front gardens. Uh, I don't support that. But there's a good amount of uh, of Christmas cheer in the city. And then, yeah, if you want to get really into it, head up to Fifth Avenue, Rockefeller Center. You know, they're they're kind of uh, they're pulling out all the stops um, with the festivities up here. 
are you a fake tree household? Are you a real tree household? Like what, what's kind of, what's the situation we got going on here? That's such a fantastic question. I will admit growing up, my mom turned us into a fake tree household. We would put the tree together starting when I was in like seventh or eighth grade. She got tired of the, you know, getting the tree in the house and, and I think the mess of it. My wife is a real tree I, I got a only. question real quick here. Hold sure. on. The mess, I also think in this, in your parents' generation, my parents' generation, there was a legitimate fear that, like, this thing's going to catch on fire. Yeah. And, and I bugs. know we, talk, we, we talked about plugs a couple weeks ago and, and why the three-prong is the way that it is and, and different sets of it. That was a legitimate concern. I, I mean, if you think about it, we wrap, like, legitimate electric currents around a tree that most of the time runs out of water. It's yeah. if you think of of fire hazards like that could be it. Anyway, well, I I think it was less than the the mess. And for my mom, if I remember, I've you know I've asked her about it not recently, but I think it was more. There's when you have a real tree, there it it you know it is kind of a ticking time bomb on when the thing's going to like die and look horrible. And my mom didn't like the rush of trying to get the tree out of the house like you know right after Christmas. And she likes to have the tree up in early December. So it gives it a longer shelf life. And, you know, we had a nice, to be honest with you, we had a nice fake tree growing up. It looked, thing looked great. Now, there are different levels of those fake trees too that I didn't realize. Like, obviously, pe most people think of like, oh, the one that it's a plastic tree. But they have ones that are like super authentic looking. They have different colors, lights built yeah. in, different colored lights built in, everything. It, they're, it's crazy. So, the other thing, we never really had a tradition in my family of going to pick the tree up. It was always kind of like, I think when I was really young, it was like my dad was going to go do it. And, and you know, the franchise probably was going to bitch and moan about getting in the house and stuff. <laughs> so I think my mom solved some problems with that. So I appreciate that. And the tree always looked really good. My mom's always been a big ornament collector. So, you know, she sent me a lot of, of mine. My mom also loved monograms and putting my names on things. So my wife's been making fun of me. And I think she might actually be a little self-conscious because my mother-in-law is not as sentimental as my mom is. So Carson doesn't have any, she doesn't have really anything that has her name on it. And then the tree has, <laughs> our tree here in my apartment has a bunch of shit that has my name on it. Uh, but two things. One, my wife is a like, you know, ride or die for a real tree, which I appreciate. And, and kind of getting back into the real tree thing, picked up one couple blocks away at, at the uh, Gowanus Yacht Club the other night. Uh, it's a good looking tree. It fits pretty well in the the house. I think it's about, yeah, it's probably about six foot. And then also, I didn't even realize this, but Carson's been scooping up ornaments at every, like on all of our vacations. And she almost does it quietly. And so like we're unwrapping some of oh. these ornaments. I might be pronouncing that word wrong. I'm all self-conscious about that. But <laughs> no, you're or, right. Or, I, okay. Sometimes I used to say ornaments, but there's no D in it. So it's <laughs> ornaments. So let's just, let's get out in front of that one. For the for the listeners, uh, but we're unwrapping these things, and I maybe this is getting old, but there is a bit of a cheap thrill in like she unwrapped one that's like a, a you know fake Lacroix bottle that it, she got for me for like like five years ago. I was like, God, I love this ornament. This is great. It, it does spark a little bit of joy when you're when you're hanging them on the tree, and then you start to develop the collection. Uh, we got one from Argentina on our honeymoon. We were out in Hawaii. Last January, she got one out there that I didn't even know about. So uh, it kind of, you know, you know, she, oh my God, she gets all, all jolly about it. 
And, but then it's, you start to talk about, Oh, remember And I'll be like, where'd you get this? Oh, I got it in that little shop, you know? And then you kind of talk about the trip. And so it is like, uh, it, the, the decorating the tree is a nice, um, it's a nice thing. It's a nice thing. I like it. Well, I'm happy to hear that, Neil. Now, one disturbing or, or uh, you know, thought provoking process when you're picking out your tree is that I'm sure that there's, you know, there are just lines on lines of lines of trees out there all cut down waiting for you. And I'm sure you went to a, a setup that, you know, they probably wrap it up for you if you want to. You, you can buy a base from them and they put it on if you want to. Of course, you got to pay extra for all that stuff. It doesn't come with the tree, uh, which I, I, I feel like if you want to look at like micro capitalism, like these sure. tr Christmas trees and all these seasonal spots, they're just masters of it. Uh, and trying to figure out how do you streamline and make them as efficient as possible here. But well, I, you know, so this is a, that's a good question. Last year, we, I don't want to say we got in a fight, but we went, there's a Home Depot a couple miles from me down in south of me in Brooklyn. I remember last year going there and you pulled a car in and that's where it was just like a, a madhouse. And I didn't really like the tree selection. And I honestly was like, yeah, the price was going to be a little better, but then I was going to have to strap it to my car. Then I got to park in front of the hydrant, get this thing in the house. Then I got to go park the car. You know, all that, 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 that whole song and dance. So this year I, I decided, you know, F that. We're just going to walk up the street. Yeah, we're going to overpay a little bit. And I didn't really, yeah, you're really shopping local. Yeah, I didn't really haggle with the guy, you know, but he threw in. I was, it, we were between two trees. One was like, you know, a little bigger and he was trying to tell me it was 20 bucks more. I was like, well, why don't you just throw in the stand? I need a stand. Can we throw in the stand with, you know, because the stand was supposed to be an extra 20. I was like, why don't you just throw in the stand with the bigger one and I'll take that one. And he was like, all right, deal. So, and then he put the stand on for me, got it all balanced up. It was a nice interaction with my guy, Robert up at the, uh, the, you know, the Christmas tree stand, that place, they have, a, they don't have a ton of room, but they are running through Christmas trees the last two weeks. Cause I'm, I'm walking by to go get coffee in the morning and, uh, or get, get like a, you know, sausage egg and cheese or whatever. and I mean, they, they must be getting resupplied every three or four days because I've, I've seen a lot of people walking home with these trees, but it's, it's being able to walk home with it. You know, it's a little cumbersome, but it's only two blocks. It was actually a pretty pleasant, yeah, perfect, jovial experience, not having to get in the car and go somewhere and stand in line. And, you know, it didn't feel quite as corporate this year, which I appreciated. That's awesome to hear. Uh, you know, size, that's a big thing. I don't know if you're looking to maximize size here. Does size matter to you, Neil? Uh, I'm no, it doesn't. Honestly, I don't need, I don't want it to overpower the apartment. Um, so we, you know, Carson, Carson wanted the bigger one, right? Shocker there. Right. So I was like, well, okay, fine. You know, you want to make the wife happy. How about that? Um, but no, I think the tree proportionally fits. I'll have to take a picture and, uh, and, and show the people. What about you? Are you a fake tree guy or are you a real tree guy? Uh, I am a fake tree guy. God, that's so surprising as a Montanan. Well, I grew up with a, a real tree my entire life, and we didn't go to stores to buy it. We you know, went out and, and chopped that. You harvested your own Christmas tree, a tradition that my family still does. Hell yeah. And it was always uh, my entire life growing up, I would get so sick around Christmas time and everybody's like, oh, it's the weather changing and everything else. And I just have like, you know, my eyes would just be like so itchy and bloodshot and, and puffed up. My throat would be so scratchy. And honestly, 
my my mom i don't know what my mom was thinking on like to tell you the truth because i think at the time it's just something that you didn't realize as i became an, an adult and realized that wow like i have really bad allergies well pine allergy is like w one of my number ones like it's it's cat dander pine trees and then uh like a couple different grasses and I think a couple years ago, I went to get my allergies retested again. I actually shared the picture, I think, in the company Slack channel. And my back, uh, yes, it, it was, it, it was not blue, good. Right? Yeah, it was. Uh, it, it was a sight to be to be seen. So my children, they have all had their allergies tested, and one of the twins and Nina, our youngest, uh, they're both also allergic to pine. So trying to think ahead, it's a it's a safety thing. Here. Now, I found ways to compensate, obviously, allergy medicine. The girl has got to take their allergy medicine, too. But I just don't feel like we need this thing sitting here. So a couple years ago, we invested in a very, very nice tree. It looks great. Can move it around wherever we, wherever we need to go. And it's uh, it's completely hassle-free. And it looks real. I know that's yeah. crazy to say. So, and, and people so will mine. Uh, they're wildly good looking and, you know, yep. proportional and you don't have to worry about like certain branches are bent the wrong way. Um, I would say our tree, you know, we got some, we had a little gapping issue up at the top. I'm not, I'm not thrilled with, uh, <laughs> with how it's kind of expanded, but uh, you know, I, having the real tree, I think makes sense when it's, when you can walk home with it and it's not going to be a massive tree. There's mul multiple times growing up, Neil. We would go out and, and chop down some of these small, you know, spruce or, or pine trees in Montana. And it would be what well you'd expect. There would always be snow on the ground. We'd have to get four-wheelers involved uh, if we weren't doing it on horseback. And, you know, strapping it to the side and then getting it back down the mountain to your truck and loading it up from there. Multiple years, I remember getting the tree home and realizing that, like, Oh, we only looked at like one side of this tree. The other side is just like completely bare. Uh, so that's the, the side that is going to go in the corner. But the other thing is that I remember we would always find uh, bird's nests in there and be like, oh, my goodness, what are we what are we doing here? Never any eggs, just uh, vacant nests. So uh, we don't need just a, a true uh, like, eminent domain from you guys. It's <laughs> like, sorry, sure. we're going to have to we're going to have to use this uh this property for something else uh, i i always I, I do have questions about bugs in the trees yeah i mean you know i got a real one in here i'm like i have bugs in there when i was putting ornaments sure on it. but yeah i know it's not you know but it makes my wife happy so that makes me yep. happy um, i mean it's just it looks it's good. another seasonal thing you just go yeah. along with it the one thing that's always interesting is the tree cleanup i feel like I don't know when you guys take things down, but I remember it, it usually is right around like, you know, January. For some reason, people feel the need to wait to like the first week of January or something like that, right after New Year's. And you're like, oh, that face, the holiday season is behind us now. At home, again, a Montana thing, we, uh, our neighbors had a ton of goats. So you would take your Christmas tree and they basically would ask everybody in town to donate their Christmas tree because they're just going to send it to the dump anyway. Like, hey, can we have this for our goats? And the goats would just go ham on these fucking. We learned that out trees. at uh, Sylvie's Valley Ranch when we we played out there. So they have like four thousand goats on that, you know, on that ranch, and the goats eat all the all the shrubs, all the harsh stuff, and the mm -hmm. the cattle eat all the good grass. And so they're like the perfect complement to a 
you know, a bunch of cattle and they just eat like the gnarliest vegetation you can think of. They're like, yeah, the goats, they, they literally won't eat the grass. They just want the, the, the heavy stuff, which is wild. Speaking of imminent domain, Elfie, our Elf in the Shelf, is back up uh, uh, holding our household hostage uh with you know we don't play any of those silly silly games but is there anything traditions wise that you have brought from your household that carson has brought from her household that you guys are blending and having your your happy married life now uh what is there are there issues friction points anything else like that no it's worked out pretty well my family has always placed a, my mom specifically hosts thanksgiving so thanksgiving's always been probably a bigger tradition for our family so we went down to atlanta uh brought the dog dr drove which was great dog did awesome in the car sonny's a uh you know the, the real mvp um and you know we do this big family picture my mom's one of six so it was like 25 28 people this year with all the cousins Jeez. and plus ones, my dad, you know, there's always every year, my dad's got to get the camera out and then he can't figure the timer out. So that's become a little bit of a, of a Thanksgiving tradition to take that big family photo for Christmas. I think as just discussed, I think ornaments are going to become a bigger, like it's almost just hit me. Like, you know, I, I might be into those. That's, that's pretty cool. Uh, so I'm going to support my wife in that tradition. And then two, my mom makes these like seasoned pretzels that are so fire and she sent me home with three bags of them. Um, I don't even know what's in the seasoning. I'd have to get with her on that. But it's kind of like her. She she gives them out as a gift. That and like this homemade chicken noodle soup that you just add water to. That's kind of what she gives to her friends every year. Oh. It's like a holiday gift. So she makes like a bunch of bags of it and sent me home with those. So that's always something that I look forward to during Christmas. Wait, has the pretzel thing always been your mom thing? Yeah, I think so. So that's where your brother picked it up from. No, 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 no. It's not she's not like into eating like Snyder of Hanover. Like No, for sure. But I think there there's something with everybody has these snacks that they they tie into, and I'm sure it's a, a flavor thing for your brother. But there's always some sort of tie back of where this this started. Uh, that's a good question. my dad's always been a, a pretzel fiend. So I think that's where Tron and I got it from. But yeah, my mom puts this seasoning on, and these are more of like the almost like uh, checkerboard pretzels, the squares with like you know they're like little square pretzels, and she puts all the seasoning on them. So those are great. You know, we should ask Peggy. Maybe maybe we start throwing some of those. Maybe we can get the recipe out. Maybe we have a NLU cookbook or something like that. I, I'd have to I'd have to ask her if that's if that's proprietary information or not. But for just Knox, know that those pretzels locked. are fire. And then you know what. Casey, the merch dame, she sent me some holiday oh, yeah. cookies. I know that's a big tradition of hers is to to bake, and the cookies are absolutely fuego. So I'm I'm working through those as well. I agree. I uh, listen. We got mouths in this household. I think uh, the the cookies from the lamins were polished off last night. I'm I'm not afraid to admit that. I think I had one of the chocolate chips. The rest of the girls in this household absolutely destroyed them, and they're working on. This massive vase of cookies that we got from uh, Polo and the squad at Excel. Yes. Uh, those cookies are dangerous. And there's too many of them. So I don't have a ton of Christmas traditions with the fam. You know, pretty standard stuff. We'd go to usually Christmas Eve mass, and then we'd open presents on maybe one present that night. And then it's a Christmas Day affair for us. Now, marrying into a family of four girls, uh, Christmas is 
is a, is a production. It's a big deal, okay? And there's a lot going on that I'm starting to understand some undercurrents. I think one tradition is my mother-in-law likes to get all of us plus ones uh, some PJs for Christmas Day, so she kind of dresses me up like a Ken doll. Uh, she's got great style, <laughs> though, so I don't have a problem with that. And then usually, like, we're doing a secret Santa this year to manage gifting so that, you know, you don't have to get, you know, for me, it would be three or even seven gifts for everybody, or I guess four. So that's that's good. And then I usually get outfitted with what it, whichever sister gets me. They've got great style as well. So I usually have a pretty good haul as far as like non-NLU merch because as you can imagine, I usually outfit myself with the clothing that we make. Uh, so they they kind of keep me on the on the leading, maybe the bleeding edge of fashion, which which I appreciate. I, I, I need some of that in my life. Uh, but there is a little bit with these four sisters of, you know, I, I think it's, probably a lot better than it was when they were growing up. But like, I think there's some counting going on who got what, you know, Uh-oh. like, you know, and then usually I think my mother-in-law gets them all like a nice gift that it's all even, everybody gets the same thing. But then there's usually a couple, like, you know, someone got a scarf, someone got, you know, oh, oh, I like, and then it's just like truly a fashion show and the words, oh my God, that's so cute. Are you serious? You know, just like, it's a, uh, like a runway show on Christmas morning at the in-laws household, which has been good theater for me to, uh, to kind of sit back and watch. I'm trying to think if they have any other traditions, um, other than the PJ thing that I've noticed. I don't think so really. Um, but I will, I, you know what? I will update you in January. If I, if I, I'll be more vigilant this year to identify some traditions. Very good. Uh, one I tradition I've started the though. Listeners. And, not to not to cut you off, but I'm gonna. One tradition I've started is I get each member of the fam, my brother-in-laws included, NLU swag. So I try to make a selection oh. from the shop for everybody. So that's that's kind of my, which you, you could argue is like, oh, that maybe that's a little get out of jail free, so I don't have to do <laughs> kind of gifting. But with the secret Santa, I think it works pretty well. Where it's like, hey, I want to you know do something for everyone, and then I'm gonna put a little bit more effort into my secret Santa selection this year. I love that. Uh, one thing that we I've noticed, you already slowly starting doing this, but it didn't even realize. Uh, I guess it didn't come to light to me. Kind of like your globes and and ornaments things with Carson, is that she started to buy all those little model houses and creating what appears to be. A, it started as just one, and now we're up to three or four, and. And she wants to do this every year where she gets a new thing, you know, with the little light that you turn on inside. Is it like the Dickens village? Kind of. We got a little village action going on yeah. here. And uh, it's starting to grow. It's starting to take up multiple, the tops of multiple things around this house. So I, I'm thinking, you know, I think for Christmas, we need to get a new kind of buffet to hold all this extra shit that we have out here. But I also think that provides me additional space on top where she could put all of her, you know, this village that I see is erecting. And, you know, I think I've talked about this before, but I'm a big train guy. I have a train. Train used to go under the Christmas tree before these kids came along because you put a a train on the ground now. They just want to go play it. And that's fine. They can go play with it all they want. But, you know, those little rails are they got electricity running through them. So they. I didn't know you were a model train guy. That's awesome. Well, I think it's something, again, that I I grew up with. My dad had a train that he, I mean, he had a whole entire rail that kind of like went around the one 
Christmas room, as we called it in the house. Uh, and then he'd take it down and, and, you know, it'd be away for the rest of the year. But I kind of have brought that on myself. But this little village thing is very fascinating as I watch it grow. And now I'm in charge of uh, unplugging and, and plugging things back in, which I think I'm just going to get a timer for every night. So they're not staying on because the first night that we had them all plugged in, a uh, fire alarm went off. And when I ran, when I ran out into the, into the kitchen slash living room area, I'm like, it literally smelled like it was a electrical fire. Well, what I realized is that when setting up one of these new little houses, somebody forgot to take the plastic off of one of the light bulbs that went in there. So it just had been melting for hours and hours and hours. And that's the smell that it sent it off, which I'm happy that the smoke detector alerted us to that, but also, Hey, when you're setting things up, make sure you remove all the protective wrapping. Worth and everything noting, else. does you know? Did, did it have a grounding plug, or was this a two prong? I'm guessing it was no, probably a two prong plug for sure. I mean, this, the, the, not a lot of thought goes into the, the electrical components for these things. Much more uh, artistic effort and creativity goes into the, what the actual houses and structures. Yo, we were like, but, we were deep in the Dickens Village for a while, picking up a house, a new house every year for. I, I probably like four or five years there. So it, it would all fit on like one table in the Christmas room. And then you put the like um, cotton down to make it look like snow. And, you know, I used to love putting, putting the village together. Uh, and also from a distance, always been interested in, in a model train set. I, I need to connect you with my uncle Pete. He's got a massive train. Mm. He's a train hobbyist down in this basement. Really? Columbus, Ohio. Yeah. Didn't even know this. Multiple trains going? I think he's got like a one big train with a bunch of like, you know, mills and, you know, like an old Western oh. kind of motif going on. And uh, he, I think he got really into it during COVID. And so like this one corner of the basement's gotten turned into like, you know, train cent grand central, if you will. So that's sick. Yeah, it God. is sick. That would be awesome. I, I need to, you need to sign me up for a trip to Ohio to check that thing out. I'll try to get some pics for you. There is, uh, you know, we're, we're always getting caught up on things. I, we're, I'm not going to demand answers or anything here, but standard viewing for me every single week is 60 minutes. Your alma mater, it just, uh, I think this could have been the worst showing uh, by Columbia in, in any uh, 60 minutes that I've seen in the past. It's just not, not good. Uh, again, not looking for answers. Couldn't echo anymore. Uh, ashamed, ashamed of my alma mater on many levels. I have to probably put some more thought behind that, but it a true, yeah, watch 60 minutes every week as well. A true, like, what the fuck are we doing here? And then, you know, to see the boys up at Dartmouth getting it done in a, in, in, you know, creating some discussion up there is, is like, you know, th there's gotta be a better way guys. And, and so it's tough to see, uh, uh, to see my guy, Bill Whitaker up there on, uh, on college walk you know, just people talking over it. It's just, it sucks, man. It really sucks. I, I, I don't know what's going on in, in higher education and specifically at my alma mater right now. I, I haven't, uh, you know, I, that's, that's all I'm going to say about it. It's just, it just, it kind of pisses me off. Well, I hope it makes you think twice when they, they start asking you for money here. Okay. It does, you know, and I'm tight with the AD. They just hired a new football coach. I'm happy about that. I want to support the program, but like the new president of Columbia is a clown period point blank, like have a spine, you know, say something clearly. I don't know. It's just like the wishy-washy uh, it's, it's all, uh, I don't know. It's all just 
bullshit. That's what I'm going to say. Now, one, the fascinating part of the, of this week's show, I think what I tuned in for wasn't the, the Columbia side of it because it is a very complex topic, complex issue. It's, it's one of those things. I just, I agree with you. I wish that they would, you know, just be clear in whatever messaging that they're trying to, trying to pick. Well, that's here. what it's I'm like going to say. Half I was in, say half too. It's like in some parts of life, you could say, well, if, people hate you on both sides you're doing something right in this case it's the opposite like no both sides yeah. feel like you're a victim to the to the university's response to what's going on in the middle east and it's like it's just because they have no clear and concise they have no fucking leadership it's that simple the old president i was always a massive fan of his name is lee bollinger and he was a lawyer i think he was uh at university of michigan for a long time and then he was the president throughout my uh, when I was at Columbia and then I, I think he was up until like last year, the year before was there. And that guy handled a lot of sensitive topics with a pretty deft touch. And he had, he had a, a, a real ability to bottom line some things and, and would, you know, he would tell you what he thought and then, you know, try to create the safety for discussion, whatever you want to call it. But this new president, I'm just wildly unimpressed and it just feels like we got no leadership. And that, I think that's, that's, uh, that's a massive issue. And, you know, it's just like you could you could probably get into a little bit more just like college kids, like not knowing what the fuck they're talking about and, and going buck wild. And maybe like that's just going to happen at colleges around the country. But it seems to be other examples of schools that have done a better job of cooling tensions and, and actually creating a dialogue that's useful. And that's not happening at Columbia. I hate it for you. What I found fascinating, what made me tune in this week specifically, was uh, the section on quantum computing. Uh, it, it blows my mind when we we start thinking about like systems that are this powerful and everything else. And then it reminded me of what's been going on this month. Are you caught up at all uh, with Sam Altman and everything that's been going on at at OpenAI? Yes, absolute wild, wild turn of events. He, you know, he was removed. Removed as CEO of OpenAI for people who don't know what that is. Uh, obviously, people now have heard of Chat GPT and and when GPT 3.5 and GPT 4 came on board. Um, what I did not realize and what I find is completely fascinating is that when they started OpenAI, Sam and really uh, the majority of the money in the beginning and everything put on by Elon uh, heavily involved because they're trying to get your bad boys and at Google out of the way who are leading the AI race. The foundation of the company is a nonprofit. Yeah. I, I, I it, still to this day, it, it kind of blows my mind. And the reason why they, they founded this company as a nonprofit is because they feel like the information and the technology that they are, they are running the coding, everything else like that should be open and free to the public for use. Well, that's that's great and all, but you have companies like Microsoft who are dumping in truly like billions and billions and billions of dollars investing into actual open AI and chat GPT-4 to get these all, you know, up on board. They don't realize that like they don't have really any say into it. It still goes back to the actual board who sits on the, the nonprofit who's actually in charge of open AI. And they ended up removing Sam as CEO. Now he's been put back in place and everything else like that. But it's been a fascinating and wild turn of events and and made me dig into him a little bit more because I didn't even realize he's not like a tech dude at all. Like no, he, he just the is like president of Y Combinator. I mean, he's yeah, he's kind of just, just like been the, a the, he was he was very present out in 
when I lived in San Francisco and worked in the the startup world, he was he was kind of a big name with Y Combinator. He seems like a genuinely, you know, he's a little annoying, but I think he's genuinely a, a you know, a, a blue flame thinker, uh, to use a, a little buzzword for you there. Uh, I think that nonprofit board kind of neutered themselves, though, because like basically like, yeah, the whole company revolted when they tried to pull this move. And then it just showed like how important like, yeah, Microsoft's they don't have a board seat, but they were able to probably use a lot of soft power from behind the scenes, offer yeah. a landing spot for these guys and the rest of the employees. And so it's like, man, what way to overplay your hand as a nonprofit. That's 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 sick, guys. That's really cool. So well, I, would I still say, don't think they've come out and said like why, like what was their reasoning why they did it, and like what they what what did they want the outcome to be? No, I mean I think you could you could that's where you get your tinfoil hat on on you know AGI like the the computer's becoming sentient basically and it's happening a lot faster <laughs> than to be that you know some of the engineers saw in their hood and like oh man this is this is going quicker than we thought I don't know we're out of our depth on this one though. The reason you brought up the 60 minutes stuff on the supercomputer was was fascinating. I don't know if I was really it's hard for me to buy the IBM stuff. You know, it's kind of yeah. like, ah, you guys really, you know, a player in this space. I don't know. Maybe we'll see. Maybe this is maybe this is the way back for IBM. Yeah, who knows? It made me uh I've been reading out reading up on this other company and like, you know, obviously the military industrial complexes crazy they're the you know these five big companies that hold every single contract the, all the primes and they have massive subs that are underneath them but really it's just like these same five companies that continue to get every single contract regardless of lawsuits that have su successfully been awarded now you know i remember like elon and spacex had to like sue the air force in order to get them to like just have like a small role in the developmental like rocket scene and everything else like that but there's this new company uh andriel who's like yeah, your boy parker kind of you know parker oh yeah palmer 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 sorry palmer not lucker god the guy's got some great chin stuff going on his facial hair is is aspirational this, for me it's uh it's kind of fascinating to me because it's not a publicly uh, own company so you don't you're not responsible to stockholders or boards or anything else like that which all these other big five companies are they're still privately owned they're, it's a tech company which uh, you know there's been a lot of people who tried to break in into the, the tech world in other big uh, in big sectors of business and it didn't really quite work out that well for them I think of, of your hitters at Jewel on how they try to revolve and, and say that they're a tech company, but really they're just a tobacco company. And then they got um, kneecapped. <laughs> they got bad. Which is uh, a net positive which is for society. Awesome. We, we will, looking you, back, we will say that. Have you watched the documentary on it yet? The no, Netflix I haven't. It's the the, the scars are too fresh for me. Dog, you got to dial it up, man. It, it is. I just <laughs> love that the, it was like the Chobani guy took over and, uh, you know, yeah. like things just, things just went bad quick. God, the flavors. I mean, they were literally targeting kids, man. It, it was not good. For sure. This guy, Palmer Lucky, which is just a fascinating name. Uh, I didn't realize he's the one that he invented the Oculus. Yes, sir. Got Mook, Buku Bucks from, from Meta when they fucking got bought out. Yeah, and then he got and then, kicked out the door. <laughs> yeah, and then they booted him out too met up with this other hitter trey stevens who came over was like a a crypto linguist 
Uh, I'm pretty sure for the NSA, it, it just says intelligence community. But when I like, you know, okay, so this is his background, everything else like that. Was never really in the military, but studied languages in Arabic, uh, Farsi speaker, uh, did a lot of time in Afghanistan, did like code breaking, everything. He was an NSA cat. Uh, and then went on and was like one of the original uh, employees at Palantir. So when you have tech uh, and Oculus meeting Palantir, uh, that's kind of what Andrel is doing. And they're kind of like the, the forefront leader on all these like AI and, and completely unmanned uh, like new weapon systems that are kind of crazy to see. But because of where they're at in testing and everything else like that, like the United States military can't really do much with them yet, but they've been like doing tons of field testing all over Ukraine. They are sending tons and tons and tons of not only surveillance vehicles, but also like munitions and some of their uh, weapon systems to the Ukrainian military. Now they got it in, uh, of course, Israel has it, their hands on it, uh, and they're using it. They're partnering with the IDF now to come up with new technologies, all of it's running off some crazy ass script that they uh, developed. And it just kind of makes me my, like my mind kind of explode to think that we're finally at a place now where there's new companies that are in this space that are going to take some of the control away from these big blood sucking power hungry companies, the likes of Grumman, Boeing, uh, you know, General Lockheed. Dynamics, Lockheed, uh, you know, the rest of these these chodes who just suck everything out all in the names of profits. It, it truly seems like Palmer Lucky. And, and I always I, I think I'm going to refer to him as Lucky Palmer because I feel like his names are, are flip flop for a reason. But it feels like they're, they're like doing a little bit of good here. Well, so there's a couple things. The invest like the best pod, Patrick O'Shaughnessy, he had Palmer Lucky on three weeks ago. Maybe a little longer. I listened to that in the, on my drive down to Florida. Carson wasn't thrilled with that with that pod. Uh, well, of course. It was a little, little dry for her, but good interview there. And then he did an interview with another one of the founders of Anderil like a year ago maybe or maybe nine months ago, which I actually thought was even – that guy was even more engaging on the topic. I have to, have to find his – I can't remember his name. But just going into like government contracts and how, how the government goes about buying things and – you know what they're trying to do he is a uh it's a pretty interesting cat yeah they signed uh they got like a one billion dollar socom contract which is special operations command i don't know if it's actually come online yet but it's uh one of the first contracts of that size that have not come from one of the big five uh which is truly some i i again i think it's really cool to see uh new companies getting in there and, and hopefully working out the way that they in, intend it to. Uh, Modern course, day skunk works. See, though. Yeah, for sure. Hey, uh, I know that uh, it's the end of the year and you guys, uh, we've, we've had some internal talks already, dialogue about, we got to schedule the the goals pod. We're, we're tossing around dates and everything else like that. I'm not a part of the goals pod. I'll, I'll of course be on the back end of that, but I know I set my goals here for you at the beginning of the year, Schuster. And I'm here you know accountability we talked about being my accountability buddy last month we we got big randy involved uh we're gonna get this whoop strain gang going and we're all gonna be together next week so i hope uh, you know i i'm expecting some physical activities to be happening on a beach or a mountainside somewhere but anyway 
I had three goals for the year. I broke them down into a personal category, a golf category, and kind of a, a life category there. Uh, one of them was a, a, a number. I wanted to lose an additional 15 pounds. That ain't going to happen, Doc. All right. We didn't? Did we, did we go backwards? No, I've maintained. I've maintained okay. what I've lost from last year. I'm happy to report that. I'll lay that one on again for next year. But I, I'm just coming hat in hand here saying that, that I'm not going to hit that number. Okay. Uh, so I we're did. not down I, at I, all. We're, we're just flat year over year. Yes, we're flat. And honestly, that's, uh, you know, I had a big, a big Italy trip mid-year. Sure. Uh, I ate a lot of food and drank a lot of booze. Uh, you know, Randy and I, we, we, we spent, uh, you know, a little over a week in London. There's a lot of beer, gin and tonic, fish and chips, curries, Chinese, you name it. Uh, just a lot of road dog food. Um, that was had. And I let my, I let my, uh, the amount of working out get down. I, I want to say that I still, I kept moving though. And I think that's the most important thing. I didn't just sit around or anything else like that, but I was truly hitting the gym hard. Uh, but there's a big difference between like trying to lose weight and versus trying to like maintain what you have. And I was strictly sure. in just maintain mode. Well, Hey, then you're, then you're poised for a, you know, a big one next year. We guess we just gotta, we gotta reapply. We gotta do some reflection and get a little better. I know Randy was talking to me. He got, he's got his whoop fired back up. He wants an accountability buddy. Maybe we can get a little whoop group going, you know, a little 10 strain challenge in January, something like that. I don't know. It's possible. So let's, yeah, that's good food for thought. I wouldn't call it a complete failure. Maintaining is a good thing. You just want to, you, you want to know that you, you know, are in, in ready position, knees bent, ready to pounce. Absolutely. I do have an, uh, an admission to make though, is that, uh, I had talked about how the, the, the I don't know how this happened, but, uh, chocolate covered almonds are kind of my thing. They're my go-to snack. They, I, if I go to the grocery store, you know, everybody's got the fancy nuts section out at all these stores these days. I've, I'm always been a, a big milk chocolate, uh, almond fan. Now the kids, when they, we, we started taking them to movie theaters this year. Um, and they finally can sit long enough that they actually enjoy a movie and they like getting popcorn and candy and everything. Well, one of them, uh, Zemi likes spicy candy. She, she reckons herself to be a fancy or a spicy food girl. Are we talking about like hot tamales or, you know, that's exactly where I'm going. So she started okay. with hot tamales and, you know, she would eat one and be like, ah, oh, that's, that's, that's not my thing. So I would eat the rest of them. Well, I basically have, uh, traded out the the chocolate almonds for the hot tamales it's some about the texture the spiciness uh, um i don't know it's very weird uh and as i've i've struggled a lot this year staying on zins and not going back to dip it has kind of replaced my oral uh stimulation that i'm needing here by these hot tamales and i've 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 consumed an ungodly amount of hot tamales uh it's not good and I need to. Uh, well, I think there could be worse have a things problem. in the world. Well, you know, I mean, you zoom just, out. What do you think a, a hot tamale is made out of? Oh, I, I mean, I'm, I'm guessing there's a bunch of red forty in there, which is probably not, <laughs> not what you really want to be eating. <laughs> you know, it's not whatever it is. It's not good. It ain't good at all. Uh, but I'm here, you know, uh, and saying I'm going to do better. Okay, I think a I lot think, of. I uh, think a good. You know, goals for 2024 start with a good analysis of 2023. And I think that's what we're getting here. 
I'm a much. massive Sour Patch uh, guy, kid, so I got to watch it with those. Um, yeah, but Sour know, Patch I, I is a limiting like, factor. Your your tongue goes dead after a while, and you're like, yeah, oh, I'm, I'm done. It does. They, they do have a bit of a uh, built-in governor. Like, there's a mm-hmm. big-time diminishing returns with the Sour Patches. Oh, nothing better than a little Sour Patch bag on a road trip, though. Just Yeah. My mom's a massive Hot Tamale fan. Speaking, shout-out to Peg Schuster. And Mike and Ike. She likes Mike and Ike's too. I don't like Mike and Ike's. I think they're. I don't think I've ever had a Mike and Ike. Yeah. I need that. They're they're fine. They're not like offensive. I just, you know, my, I'm going to grab something else. Play a full. I I said that I wanted to get back into competitive golf. I was going to do this. I put the veteran community on notice. I was going to play a full season on the Veterans Golf Association tour. I, I did not even sign up for a single event. Okay. Okay. Well, that's uh, now it's not because (laughs) (laughs) this is not because I didn't try, uh, a lot of these events coincide with when we were going to be on the road for uh, either majors or PGA Tour events or something like that. And then the other times where there is an event that I was going to sign up for, it's because I had a live show uh, that night. So I let that excuse kind of just, sure. you know, I had other commitments. So it's okay. There. We're fine. We're fine, people. And then well, my date night goal. Yeah, that could- we are going to finish the day night goal. So I'm going to get one of three goals uh, for the year. I said I was going to do 23 date nights. We're going to surpass that by quite a bit. I'm very happy with that. We've been averaging over two a month. Um, so, hey. And I well, you know, I would clarify this. Success. The, the definition of this was you were going to plan each night as well. So these were planned. I you got the complete, babysitter. You took complete control of the situation 23 plus times. That's fantastic. 100. 100%. I love it. Well, let me ask, what was the highlight? What was the best date night you went on outside of the Italy trip? Let's, let's keep it domestic. We've been, uh, we've, we've been ex- trying out a bunch of new restaurants in town. Now I've, I've found myself in the beginning of the year up until about June, it was very Fort Worth heavy. Then at June, July, we kind of switched over to go in, uh, to Dallas because I think Dallas and the, the date night scene is a little bit better. The highlight is absolutely this Chinese, like a legitimate Chinese restaurant, fancy Chinese restaurant that we went to. Some of the best like dumplings I've ever had in my life. I've never been to a, a real like legit Chinese restaurant. It's always just been like, yo, give me the, you know, general sow's chicken and orange chicken. Sure. And it's usually on a board up there. It's like, yeah, just give me like seven B with steam rice. Uh, <laughs> so that was, that was by far, uh, the best Speak of my and, language, uh, brother. There, there was this, uh, you know, a little uh, massage involved uh, ahead of time, and then drinks afterwards. Um, and then, you know, we've we've had a couple really good places open up around us, and we had a really good, like, kind of after dinner bar spot open up. So it's been nice to kind of get in the rhythm of like going and and trying somewhere new out a new restaurant and then going to this bar afterwards to ha- kind of have like a little nightcap uh as before we come home and, and relieve the babysitter now babysitting for us could be the easiest job ever i think we've gone through three different babysitters this year i think of the three babysitters they've had to do something with the kids twice because usually we don't leave the house till the kids are in bed anyway uh and they just sit here and watch netflix and who knows what they do uh, did you go through three the because you were unhappy with the first two or no did you- strictly 
it's strictly because one of them uh, went, started the year and then said, you know, she's like, hey, I, I have a full-time job this summer. Uh, she was getting ready to go to college. So she had a full-time job in the summer, couldn't couldn't meet it. So then we had a summer uh, girl who was, it was going through summer, didn't have a job, but it was getting ready to go to college as well. When she went to college, she, of course, moved on. And then now we have the one that we have who is a senior Uh and we're going to have to turn this thing over again in a couple of months, but it's working out so far. Uh, good. so good for us. Neighborhood. She lived nearby. Oh yeah. Next, next door, man. You find, Hell you yeah. can find a lot of things on next door. Oh, I got a, I got a next door update for you. Well, before we get there, I want to, uh, give a quick shout out here to our other partner, Stone Creek coffee. When you're buying gifts this holiday season, get something, you know, people will love. Everybody loves coffee but not all coffee is created equal. The folks at Stone Creek do it right. In fact, Drew, our man Drew, is down in Guatemala this week with his farming partners, the folks that produce two of the coffees in the Stone Creek line, a dark roast called Three Volcanoes and a light roast called Ring of Fire. If you use code TRAPDRAW, that's T-R-A-P-D-R-A-W, code TRAPDRAW, to get 15% off and free shipping on your first two orders, and feel good knowing you're supporting another small shop. Stone Creek is stocked up with all kinds of coffee, brewing tools, anything else you're looking for this holiday season. So grab some gifts for your squad that they will actually love. Thanks to Drew, the rest of the people at Stone Creek. All right, Neil, what do we got next door, man? All right. I mean, listen, there was a, a dog attack um, a couple oh. of weeks ago. Some guy said he came out of a restaurant and the dog attacked him. And he was actually posting about some apparently some good Samaritan jumped in front and like got the dog off of him. But then that guy like ran away. So he was asking next door if anybody if if anybody had heard any of their friends talk about saving a man from a dog attack because he wanted to thank this man. Uh, so I thought that was that was fantastic. And an un, unsupervised dog attack, which is tough. If you lost dogs. But I found this one pretty interesting. Let me dig it up here. All right. It, it's it's from, uh, well, I won't say the guy's name, but it's in Brooklyn Heights. So kind of neighborhood, neighborhood up for me. But it, it, it starts off, keep it down, folks. New York City's next innovation of gouging money from their citizens is here. A noise camera that will give out tickets to motorists who are too loud. The bill for these cameras was introduced by Councilman Keith Powers and should pass next week. Here's how it works. If a vehicle is 85 decibels or higher, 50 feet or more away from the noise detector, the camera will snap a photo of the vehicle, triggering the system to send a ticket to the address associated with the vehicle. First offense, the fine will be $800 and go up to $2,625 for the third offense. Oh, so, and this is, you know, listen, I'm starting to see some more red light cameras pop up. I got clipped on one of those back in April. And it was kind of jarring. I, you know, first things first, the New York City parking like ticket app is like one of the best working apps I've ever used. Shocker there. It's probably billions of dollars running through this thing. So any type of payment you want to make, thing runs fast. You can search your license plate. It's 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 pretty seamless to pay your parking tickets in New York City. So I, I think they deserve a shout out for developing a good app. But it was jarring to go in there and I I was like gonna pay a parking ticket I had back in April and I saw another ticket for like a red light offense and i was like what's that and i was going out to, i think i was going to i think i was going to play golf and it was out in east brooklyn like in a like kind of on the northeast side of prospect park 
it was, you know, kind of a stale yellow. And I think, you know, you reach that point of no return where you're like, I got, I'm going to do it. You know, I'm going. And they had me like right over or like my car was still touching, I guess, like the crosswalk or the like. And so that's where I don't even know the definition of like, you know, I was kind of in the middle of the intersection picture of my car right there caught red handed. Like, yeah, technically you got me. Uh, but I was like, damn, I got to have my head on a swivel because I, I feel like these, uh, red light cams are coming. And it reminds me of like, cause they're already there. Like in London, I was over there like three years ago and ran in the car on a trip with my, you know, my in-laws and my wife. And I came home and like a month later, both my father-in-law, we had two rental cars. I was driving one, he's driving the other. He had like three tickets. I had two, you know, one was for speeding on the, you know, on the highway via camera got me. And another was like for just being in the bus lane at the wrong place, you know, and I have no, I'm on the other side of the road. I got no idea congestion, all this. So of course like Hertz just hits you with the bill plus a little extra for doing the work to pay it on your behalf. And you know, my father was like, I'm not, this is bullshit. I'm going to fight this. I was like, I think you should just, the, the amount of time it's going to take for you to deal with the English slash London municipal government. I think it's probably worth just chalking this one up as an L. Uh, but I thought that noise, uh, that noise thing is interesting. Like I don't have much patience for the loud cars, so I'm, I'm kind of cool with it, but it feels like a slippery slope. I mean, could be some false positives from this. Is there, uh, is noise a big deal? Well, you got people running straight pipes or motorcycles or, or, you know, some I mean, big subs with, I'll be honest. Anybody on a hog that just this revenant can get fucked. Like I can't stand yeah. the loud motorcycles. That that stuff's so shitty. And then of course you get on the BQE. You got the the guy with you know something souped up trying to weave like with a with a flow master on the back. Like that's that's gonna happen. <laughs> I don't think I don't really find there to be an issue with noise from cars. I think it's more just the construction noise. And there's a lot of specific like you can see they're they're building like six new massive condos within view of my deck uh over by the guanas canal and it's like uh they start at 8 a.m sharp and they stop i think it's at 5 p.m sharp and it's just like within that though it's like you could set a timer and it's like the the hammers the nail guns the the you know the beeps everything starts up like right on the dot at 8 a.m uh and there's this whole like economy like if you go down on the on uh i guess it's bond street you got guys selling all the safety gear out of the back of his minivan. Like he sets up shop there and hangs out all day. He's selling vests. He's selling helmets. He's selling gloves. His minivan's just stacked with supplies. Uh, you know, you got a few hot dog vendors out there. Like it's a, it's a whole economy that I think that follows the construction industry, but it seems like they're very strict about the noise stuff between those hours. Wow. Uh, the noise monitoring that, that is something we need to keep an eye on that. Cause I think that could, that could be very good. I think I don't only, really have a concept of what decibel level 80 is. So I, I would right. have to understand that a little bit better, but I appreciate my guy, uh, you know, keeping the neighborhood updated here on next door. Speaking of next door, uh, one of our, uh, uh, friends here, Ben, uh, called in from, from North of Dallas in Frisco, Texas. Recently, new resident of Frisco, Texas, which, like most folks of Frisco, McKinney, Prosper, Salina, and everywhere else in northern DFW. Um, speaking of the Nextdoor app stories, um, my Nextdoor app notifications alternate between coyote sighting 
and missing dog slash cat. And what happens when you have a growing development where you have old cattle farms, farmland, um, wooded areas, empty fields that get developed into subdivisions? Well, you get rid of the food resources of the coyotes. Um, you get rid of the rabbits, the squirrels, etc. that the coyotes um, have dined on their entire lives. And what do they have to do? They have to find food. So sorry, but your cute little dog that you brought in from California, your cat that came in from New York City with you as you transplanted down here to New York City, can't let them out by themselves anymore. So coyotes get hungry, coyotes got to eat. So it'll be a lot more missing dogs, missing cats. So Now, what I will say here is that uh, people obviously have to be familiar with, with Ben. He was a guest on this here podcast before when we were doing, uh, the boys were doing city overviews. So if, if anybody is interested, go back to look at, listen to the New Orleans episode. Uh, ben is, is, of course, the guest of honor there. Now, he's calling out people from New York and California. Uh, ben just moved here from Louisiana like <laughs> two months ago. All right. Now, I, 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 that was like me being, trying to be an expert here on, on what's going on in the Plex. He's not wrong, though. Got to keep an eye he, on he's the He's not coyotes. wrong. And it made me think of, do you remember at the NIT? I don't know. I, I think we talked about it. I definitely talked about it with people. But we had coyotes out there. Uh, at Fields Ranch, specifically on the West Course. And they would come kind of where 15, 16 on West uh, are, are at. And there's that large, uh, you know, still wooded area down there and would just go run havoc. We saw three of them marching straight across the fairway, go down there about five minutes later, the loudest screeching noise ever. Like, oh, yep, they got another cat. So I think they would, they would kind of corral and push them down there to that wooded area and then go down and and just feast on him. Uh, but he is right. You got to watch out for him uh, because, you know, people are building houses all over the place. That used to be somebody else's home. Are, are anyway. you worried about the coyotes in your neighborhood? No, nah, we're, we're dialed dog. Come on now. Southside's got no issues. Yeah, we're, <laughs> we're fine. You got me, you got Larry's out there digging traps all over the What's place. What's up with Larry? People. Any update? Larry's crazy. Okay. I think that's a, uh, if people haven't realized that by now, He's absolutely crazy. I uh, I met up with him for coffee, and I asked him point blank, you know, hey, Larry, what are you doing out there? Uh, he thinks that he's going to – for some reason, he he thinks that he went to the library and somebody said that, hey, there might be like oil – like, you know, oil underneath his house or something like that. He's old. He's uh, losing his, his mind uh, a little bit, and, and basically he thinks that he was digging for oil out there. Uh, just like, you know, the Clampets. They, sure. I don't know if you're familiar with that movie at all, but that's Did what you he thought ask, was going to happen. Had Larry, does he still own his mineral rights? <laughs> I doubt that he does. Cause that's like the first thing in Texas. You got to sign over when you're buying land. Yeah, I know. You got to, got to know that first Larry, if it's even worth digging for, like you probably don't even, you don't have the mineral rights. You probably don't even want to know brother. I know, but yeah, you know, it's, uh, it's crazy times, Ben. I've never seen somebody uh, assimilate faster to northern Texas uh, as Ben has, and I'm very, very happy for them. Like he is such a foodie at heart, and he knows and will seek out like the most random places and and post about them and talk about them all the time. That is, he's like truly setting me on to some some new so been, uh, spots a, to go a, check out. Yeah, an asset for date nights. 
such a positive uh, addition here to the to the Plex. What else we got now? Th- this I got one more uh, voicemail to to go over with you, and it actually is a funny uh, story because it's going to bring back a, a story from my past that you're going to you're probably not going to believe, but uh, I don't know. What's going on, guys? Uh, I was listening to the last uh, episode where you guys were talking about your neighbor uh, going on next door, and it reminded me. Uh, I'm out in Arizona with my parents, and they were telling me that on the next door app for their neighborhood in the suburbs of Chicago, a neighbor uh, caught a man dressed in camouflage in their yard uh, with a bow and arrow trying to shoot deer. And when confronted, the man said, like, what? This is not a problem. It's deer season. So obviously they called the cops and the guy ran away. But now he has been seen sneaking again back into people's yards to shoot deer with a bow and arrow. I wanted to get your guys' take on this. How would you approach that? Uh, yeah, let me know. Well, first off, we're going to need a name in town if you wish to opine. So appreciate the <laughs> call in. But, you know, we know Arizona, but we're going to need a little bit more detail. Uh, on, we're on, at in Chicago. Know, who is talking? Identify yourself uh, first and foremost <laughs> when calling into the listener line. Uh, th- that's true. I know in my parents' neighborhood in Dunwoody, Georgia, it is legal during deer season to kill deer with a bow and arrow to go bow hunting for deer. So that's technically legal. Uh, I don't think you can, in the neighborhood. I don't think you can use a gun. I think you can bow hunt though. Uh, they have not seen anybody doing that in their yard. That would be a little alarming. So I can understand why I think you probably have the right to say you can't do this on my property, but technically right. if he's not on your property, he can't do that. So uh, that's all I know about that situation. Uh, and that, I, I know that about Atlanta. I don't know. That might not be the same in Chicago. Could be very different right. across state lines. This might not be like the, the vast estate that the Schusters grew up with. Oh, in, come in, on. Outside. One acre. Come on. <laughs> I'm kidding. Okay. Uh, the reason why I say this is because when I was uh, <laughs> I was a E4 in the military, still living on base at uh, Fort Benning, not called Fort Benning anymore, but I don't know what the new name is called. My best friend uh, in the military, we, we went through Ranger indoctrination program together, selection together. We went, uh, you know, we were both lived in, in the next, uh, he was like basically like my sweet mate in the barracks. He's this, straight country kid from uh, Madison, North Carolina. He had a, uh, a jacked up Ford F-150 uh, that had, it was white, had a blue racing stripe on it. And it was like that, it was his prized possession. All right, big old mud tires on it, you name it. Uh, he'd just be bumping Taylor Swift, any other country music, you name it. Talked to as country as you could possibly imagine. Awesome, awesome dude though. We went through a ton together, but he, every time hunting season came around, he would get so excited and we would make trips back to North Carolina to go hunting. We would make trips to, you know, all over Alabama, Georgia, you name it. But we also ended up and we had to take a couple extra classes in order to get uh, permitted to, to go hunting on the military base on Fort Benning. Well, we got all this done. And every morning, uh, we would go do PT and then, you know, you'd go through the work, uh, work day and everything. And then at night we would try to, to you'd have a couple hours left before the night went down. We try to go get a couple hours of hunting in now that we, uh, didn't have to drive that far. And every night we watched this, this 
pack of, of does and they had these two big bucks with them and they would leave the plot that we were allowed to hunt on and they would literally walk you know the next plot over was like where barracks are at like where you know soldiers are living and sleeping and it would be like this you know little coolie that ran through these group of little three dorm buildings and we're like, man, you know, we're never going to, we're never going to get out here because they walk through the buildings out to who knows where they're bedding down. Uh, you know, we can't hunt over there, but man, we really wanted to get these bucks. So one Saturday night, we decided that we we're going to climb to the top of one of the, the dorm buildings, the barracks buildings. And we're, we're going to, we're going to shoot the bucks, uh, in a spot that we're, we're not supposed to be hunting. Uh, but people aren't going to know the difference because nobody looks down there anyway. And, uh, you know, we'll go down, we'll clean the deer out, throw them in the back of the truck and, and drive back to our barracks and everything will be fine. Well, what we didn't realize is that when we climbed to the top, uh, this, I guess this has been done a lot. All right. Uh, we got up to the top and there's uh, cameras on top of this building, but we didn't realize that. So us two idiots are up there wearing, you know, camouflage, not military camouflage, hunting camouflage, uh, and we're up there with our with our bows, and uh, sure shit, we're we're sitting up there for not long at all, probably 20, 30 minutes maybe. And the MPs pull up in the parking lot, and you know this building is six, seven stories high. So we're looking down, we're like, oh shit, the MPs are here. They must be here to get somebody in the in the barracks. Who knows what's going on? We're kind of laughing about it and everything, and. You don't hear anything, and then next thing you know, the door <laughs> opens up 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 top, and the MP walks out. And you, know, what are you two doing? Uh, hello, how are you? How are you doing? He goes, what are you guys doing up here with your with your bows? He said, oh, we're just up here, you know, looking around. He goes, you're not you're not hunting here, are you? Then no, we're not we're not hunting here. He goes, yeah, because you know we know that the the deer walk through here every night and they go bed down over on the other side of this range. We're like, yep. Really? We didn't, we didn't, I guess we didn't even notice that or anything. He's like, sure, sure, sure. Are you guys, uh, registered to hunt on base? Was he like, yep, we are. He goes, Oh, so you know, you know, all the rules, your permit and everything. Yep. Yep. All right, cool. Uh, so one of you two going to cop up and tell us what's going on. My buddy, Matt, shit. It's he's so scared immediately immediately cops tells him the whole exact every story so he's like all right you guys got to come with me so we go down he's like put your stuff back in your truck that big jacked up truck uh and come over to the you know to the mp department I'm like okay so we follow him over there uh they write us a fine they revoke our hunting privileges on base for that year and anytime that you're ticketed with anything on base you're also put on what's called the, the blotter, which every commander is notified when they have a soldier assigned to you uh, that you got a ticket. So it doesn't matter if it's hunting where you're not supposed to hunt or speeding or whatever else, you know, your, your commander is notified. So I immediately, you know, I start making calls and letting people know like, Hey, I got in trouble. Like first sergeant's going to hear about this. And, and I know like, Oh shit, I'm going to, I'm going to get fucked up. Like this is not going to be good. So we we go. That was Saturday. I tell everybody Sunday. I get a you know phone call like eight in the morning. It's first sergeant. He's like, "Hey, you need to come to you need to come to the company headquarters right now." I was like, "Oh shit!" So I go down there. 
he's like, you know, first of all, he thanks me for getting him out of uh, going to church with his family, which I didn't think is a very good thing to do. But he proceeds to literally smoke uh, push-ups, physical exercise for like the next two 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 and a half hours and then we go into the company area it's like all right you see every single every single hallway every single meeting space every single conference room you name it all of these floors you have to strip and re-wax all of them and it needs to be done by the time uh people show up for work tomorrow like dried sealed it has to be spot and I'm like, oh shit, okay. And it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work to strip. It's a lot of work to, you know, get get all this stuff done. So we start. And you know, me being a dummy at the time, like, oh yeah, you know, I'm making pretty good time. We can procrastinate a little bit. Go find a TV, find a couch, put some football on, uh, order some delivery, get that in, eat some food, you name it. Next thing I know. Uh, it's like nine, 10 o'clock at night. I'm getting ready to, oh yeah, I can get a nap in here. We're going to be fine. Completely procrastinating the entire thing. First sergeant shows up at midnight and I barely have anything done. Smokes me again. Why didn't you listen? You didn't follow orders. How the hell are you going to get this done? I literally worked the, probably the hardest I've ever worked trying to get a single task done in the next four and a half hours that I had there, uh, barely got it done. It was barely uh, dry by the time they came in and so much for that the, the wax wasn't completely cured yet. And uh, there was footprints in it, had to do it all over again the next day because it didn't cure. Uh, so just from procrastinating, trying to be a dummy, hunt on barracks. And I didn't even know what I was going to well, do with me. Right. I was just out Hold there hanging out second. with my buddy. Where, where's, where's your buddy in all this? He's in a different company. He is. He's a different company. Okay. Different job. Uh, and you know what? His like he didn't even get in trouble. They're like, yeah. oh yeah, you idiot. Like, and also this this is that's kind of bullshit from the MP. Like, yeah, you cop to it, but it, it's almost like there was no like there was. It's almost like I guess it's intent based, but like you guys technically didn't do it. You were premeditating to maybe hunt in a place Those you men. weren't supposed to, but you didn't take a shot, did you? No, military cops. They don't give a shit, man. They got a well, if they get anybody on anything, they're to the full extent. They do not care. There's See, no getting bullshit. out of nothing. I feel like you kind of had an argument of like, well, we didn't hunt. So like, yeah, we know the rules. And like, yeah, we were just up here. Like we were just prepping our, our stalking. <laughs> well, that's the route that I was going to go before my buddy. Just God, spewing his guts. Tough, yeah, man. we we've been watching these deer walk back here for weeks, and we knew that when we got up here, we'd have the perfect how vantage a, point. How long of a no shot was that going to be? Seven stories up? Like, how? I mean, is that a legitimate oh, chance with a bow? Yeah, straight down, you'd be fine. Huh? Well, I don't never been bow hunting before, so I don't know how that works. But God, that's sick that you got smoked like that, and he didn't. That's tough for you. It was. It was, it was very tough. Uh, Neil, anything else you want to cover today? No, I, I think I've got some, some takeaways here for uh, just, just you know, some. I think there's probably going to be some Christmas stories we can talk about in January. Otherwise, a lot of hard work, a lot of reflection coming up with the, with the goals podcast coming up. I think for you too. So we'll put mm -hmm. that at the top of the list for our, uh, for our next episode. You know, for people, uh, if you got next door stories, you got anything else that we want to run back, uh, 
Uh, of course, the listener line again, 833-330-8725. You know what? Of, uh, I think we probably ended up getting about 20 to 30 voicemails, specifically asking about Larry, next door stories, everything else like that. The number one uh, voicemail that we got from people was something along the lines uh, of this. Hey, guys, this is Connor. First time, long time. Um, had a quick follow-up with Cody uh, on his section. Man, you were killing me with the next door post. Uh, your your guy digging a hole. Uh, reminded me of my alter ego, Karen. I've uh, got an account on next door. Basically, just go on, you know, spice things up a little bit, post about, uh, you know, pictures of large snakes, uh, black mambas, stuff like that. Ask people what kind of snake it is found in my backyard. All that sort of stuff. You know, a couple hundred comments later uh, caused a uh, some good fun uh, along the way. But anyways, hope you guys are doing well. Have a good week. See ya. God, that's good stuff. We need a town. It's name and town if you want, if you're calling into the listener line. But that's that's good stuff. I love people spicing it up on next door. <laughs> Just being malcontents out there, shaking it all up. Neil, you know, we got 12 booths in the can. Excited for next year, buddy. Uh, I don't think we're both not going to be on the trap draw. So, Everybody out there, happy holidays. Enjoy the time with your family, with your friends. Hopefully a little bit of time off. uh, And we'll see you on the other side, huh? Yeah. Cheers. Happy holidays. Smell ya. Favorite trapper, the absolute truth, yeah, no joke. Who 